Your mom just wants you to eat healthy. Always trust the process. Welcome to Trust the Process, a podcast on entrepreneurship from MIT's Trust Center. My name is Chris Burns, and I'm the host around here. Today's episode features Trust Center entrepreneur-in-residence George Whitfield and Eileen Zhang, an undergraduate advisory board member here at the Trust Center. Our conversation covers resources for entrepreneurs at MIT, conquering imposter syndrome, and Eileen's experience growing up at her parents' Chinese restaurant in New Jersey. Orders up. So Eileen, uh, could you tell us um, where are you from, where did you grow up, and uh, how did you end up at MIT? Uh, Yes, Uh, so I'm originally from New Jersey, uh, the northern part of New Jersey, a town called Parsippany, closer to New York City. My parents are both immigrants from China. Um, I forget the year that they came, but I um, know that they met in North Carolina. Um, And for them, like, they didn't know how to speak English. They didn't necessarily have a formal education experience. I think, like, my dad attended high school and my mom only finished middle school. Um, So coming here, it was definitely really hard for them to adjust. But I think, like, they were able to adapt coming here and they kind of, like, got into the restaurant industry business. Um, They first started off, like, working as, like, busboys and then part-times. But eventually, like, after they met, they decided to start a restaurant business together. Uh, It's based in New Jersey currently. I actually never thought that I would be going to MIT. It always seemed like a very big and scary place. And uh, since I'm a first-generation student, um, the college application itself was kind of confusing. Um, But I primarily chose MIT because I knew that it would be an environment that could challenge me um, compared to like the other schools that I was accepted into. And I really wanted to take the time to be able to explore more of my intellectual curiosities, but also challenge myself in terms of like growth in ways that I didn't think of before. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Interesting coincidence. I'm also from New Jersey. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I think I I saw very um, much similar perspective. Like I wanted to be challenged uh, and MIT clearly had so much to offer and and I didn't know what that was going to be, but um, imagined it was going to be worthwhile and and a, a great journey, which it has been. What's what's maybe one of the the weirder projects that you've worked on that uh, you felt like blossomed into something interesting? Yeah, um, I think uh, the most meaningful one for me was for the high school marching band. I was a part of the varsity marching band and I conducted for it. Um, But during my senior year, it was during the COVID pandemic. So all of the uh, performances and competitions were canceled. And uh, because of that, there was this like huge decline in morale within the band. Nobody wanted to show up to practice. Um, and also like people just wanted to quit band altogether. And um, because of that, I like really had to like put myself out there, um, talk to like different section leaders and also like different uh, band members to get an idea of what they were interested in. And at the end, I realized that they still wanted a performance of some kind. And for that, uh, I learned how to write drill for marching band, which is kind of like uh, the choreography. And I wrote it for every single one of the 70 plus band members. And um, I worked with like other section leaders to help band members uh, learn music during the pandemic. And that required mass and also like instrument 
guards, which was like something like completely unheard of. And we talked to school administration and convinced them to let us hold a final performance at the end of the season for family and friends. And it was like socially distant and safe, but it was definitely very meaningful because I still could end my senior uh, fall with something that was special to me um, and something that I was doing for all four years. Wow, that's so cool. Um, it sounds like just an example of where, you know, the world threw us this crazy situation, COVID, and it sounds like a very, um, already an entrepreneurial kind of mindset because you're uh, really trying to find new processes. You're um, learning new skills on the fly to make it all happen, organizing a large group of people. Yeah, and as I'm listening to that story, I'm wondering if you ever realized when you were a kid that your parents were sort of practicing entrepreneurship right in front of you? Uh, I think like I viewed it um, in the past as like solely like, oh, we have a restaurant because we need to make a living more on the financial means. But um, after COVID, uh, it was actually like interesting because my parents' restaurant closed down and they were like in this town for like over 20 years. A lot of the locals really liked the food that they made. And I didn't even realize that because to me it was like, oh, it's Chinese takeout. I've had it like all my life. But um, they were able to reopen their restaurant at a different location. But um, seeing just like the reaction of the customers when they like visited the store again post-COVID, that's when I realized that it's more than just like the financial aspect. Um, we were actually like putting food out there and like serving customers who like genuinely like liked our food and wanted to learn more about our culture. Um, and I think like in that sense, I viewed it as like work that is like meaningful, not just for the financial means, but really like sharing something that is like important to us with others. Yeah, you know, I have a friend named Chung, and he grew up working in his family's Chinese restaurant businesses. And until I met him, I had no idea the amount of handwork that went into your average Chinese takeout place's food. Um, in most cases, it's not processed or shipped frozen from a factory anywhere. It's, it's really like actually homemade food. Uh, I think like generally when people think about Chinese American takeout, like the big name that they think of is like Panda Express. Mm -hmm. But and I'm sure that like Panda Express, since it's like a larger franchise, it's more like systematic with like the ingredients already prepared. But actually, like across the United States, like as a whole, there are a lot of small businesses um, created by like um, Chinese immigrants or like other immigrants from other countries. And for them, like the dishes are like entirely like made by them from the scratch. Um, so like for the current restaurant that uh, my parents own, uh, my dad created all of the recipes. So like you have generic dishes like uh, chicken with broccoli or like general, general Sao's chicken or like uh, crab rangoon, but it's like unique to our restaurant because we made the recipe ourselves. And I would say that for a lot of these Chinese American takeout restaurants, even though like the name is the same, the food itself is very different. Um, like here in Boston, I don't think there are a lot of uh, Chinese takeout restaurants near campus. Yeah, I've noticed. Um, but I've like had food that is somewhat similar to Chinese takeout, but it doesn't taste the same as the ones that my parents make. And I think that like is a testament to like just like the diversity of food overall that people don't necessarily always see. And I would say that yes, it's a lot of work to be able to like cook everything from scratch. But um, I think like a lot of these restaurants do learn how to be efficient. 
Um, I've like helped my parents out in the restaurant in the past. And when I was helping out, they always told me like, you need to think about like the smartest way to be able to do things. You can't just like uh, sit there and wait for like uh, the food to be ready. Um, in that time period, you could be like, uh, perhaps like, uh, packaging like wontong chips or like uh, looking at a different order, seeing where you can help out. And it's like everything that you like learn on the spot almost. And it kind of like becomes a fluid habit that you have. Um, but yeah, I think like working in the restaurant industry overall is really hard, uh, not just like on the customer service front, but also like just the actual like uh, being able to put out the food front. Um, and it definitely requires a lot of skill that is often overlooked. Um, what are your parents' names? Uh, I could tell you their Chinese names. Sure. Uh, so my mom's name is Yunyu Chen, and my dad's name is Yu Fuzai. And uh, they have separate last names, but they are married. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite quotes from an Anthony Bourdain documentary is that all Chinese people are foodies. Does that ring true for you? Uh, yeah, I would say that we're like really big on food. Uh, like for every like family get together, there's always like a huge feast involved, whether that is hot pot or like uh, maybe like a more Americanized Thanksgiving feast um, or like other random things like a bake-off that my cousins and I would participate in. There's always food going around. And I think that like, especially in the Fujianese culture, which is like um, the part of China that my family's from, we're not necessarily like very expressive in terms of like endearing words. Um, or love, and we're not necessarily like physically intimate as well. Um, and it's really through food that we communicate like our love for one another and the community that we have. That's great. Does your mom always try and force you to eat fruit? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I go to my partner's house, I, I like have to refuse fruit over and over. Do you think you could tell us um, the first time that you realized maybe entrepreneurship is something that you could pursue uh, as a career? Uh, I think prior to uh, being at MIT, I didn't necessarily know what entrepreneurship was. Kind of with like uh, what I did for the marching band, I kind of just did it because I was interested in it. I thought uh, it was a problem that I was passionate for fixing and I worked with people to fix the problem. Um, but coming here, I am able to learn more about entrepreneurship, what actually constitutes it, whether that is like the customer, customer discovery phase or um, the primary market research phase or even like the funding phase or the team building phases. Um, and I think like being able to like put terms to like the actual process has kind of like helped broaden my understanding of entrepreneurship as a whole. And I generally don't like to think of me starting projects as entrepreneurship exactly because I think I sometimes get intimidated by it and sometimes the imposter syndrome kind of hits. Um, I just do projects because it interests me and I work with others who are also interested in it as well. It's amazing to me. Um, well, uh, actually, I think I, what I can say is I've been there. Like I, I know what the imposter syndrome feels like as well and uh, it's something that I feel like is always a work in progress. You have to just keep remembering, like, I'm here for a reason. I have a purpose and, and stay focused on, on your vision um, and, and believe that, that you, can, you can do this, whatever task you're setting your mind towards. Um, 
how do you yeah, how do you counteract the imposter syndrome when when it rises in in a goal that you have or in the work that you're doing? Like, what are what what do you do um, when when you start to feel um, that way? Uh, one thing that I recently started doing was actually journaling. Um, I think journaling allows for you to be as authentic as possible and allows you to reflect on perhaps like not so kind things that you think of about yourself. And I think uh, being able to do that has kind of helped me like identify whether or not I am feeling imposter syndrome at the moment. And that has kind of like helped me. Um, so like if I were to identify that I am feeling imposter syndrome, I would tell myself to not feel that way. Um, and I think that like part of imposter syndrome is not necessarily comparing yourself to others. Like everyone here at MIT is super smart, super talented, super qualified. Um, instead of thinking about it as like kind of like competition and needing to fit in, um, it's more about thinking about how you could contribute to one another's experience here, uh, whether that is through like meaningful conversations or different projects that you work on together. And I think thinking about it in that light has helped me tremendously as well. You know, staying on that topic, I'm wondering how you see yourself sort of in the larger history of students at MIT. Um, and I think, I guess both of you can uh, answer this, but you know, how, how did you, how do you see yourself in the broader scope of students uh, that have gone to school here? I would say that like looking at MIT's history overall, um, it's very much focused on science and just knowing the facts. But I think in the modern day, and currently there's a bigger push towards solving problems with science as opposed to just knowledge for knowledge's sake. Um, and I think for us, like in our roles as like entrepreneurship amplifiers on campus and being a part of the Martin Trust Center um, and trying to like introduce students to the idea of entrepreneurship as a step towards kind of uh, meeting this new goal and this greater agenda of thinking more about just science, but thinking about the world as a whole. And um, it also kind of reminds me of a documentary that came out last year called MIT Regressions. I think uh, a senior made uh, the documentary, but um, I would say that like MIT historically in the past, especially during World War II and the Industrial Revolution wasn't necessarily like that cognizant of ethics behind the science that they were doing, but with like uh, being able to like innovate and solving problems, it's more about thinking of the ethics and like what you can actually do to create a positive impact. And I think through entrepreneurship, that is very much so as well. Um, so I see ourselves as more of individuals helping to transition MIT into this phase of really being like a leader in uh, innovation that is beneficial to people and actually addresses people's real needs. Yeah, 100%. I think it's important to know why you're on the path of entrepreneurship. And starting with that that reason for existence that is um, something where you want to give back to the world. It's not just about making a lot of money really fast, or um, it's about trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems and something that connects with you as a person and that you care about deeply. And entrepreneurship, I, I totally agree. I see it as a tool that gives us this ability to scale rapidly, to have impact on whatever problem we set our, our eyes on. The same way that MIT is very structured um, and rigorous about its engineering, that same structure and rigor is here in the entrepreneurship program. And that's 
um, one of the things that I feel like MIT is very unique about. I, I'm really interested to then hear how you've carried those sorts of um, approaches, those perspectives into the projects you've gotten into here. Uh, you mentioned that you're also working with the MIT Entrepreneurship Club. Can you tell us more about the kind of work that they do? Uh, yes. Uh, so the MIT Entrepreneurship Club is a relatively new organization. It started last year, um, and it's really just a community of founders. We uh, help one another out through like uh, building a venture and the process of it. I know that um, some individuals were able to meet with upperclassmen who are more experienced with, say, the funding process, and they would give them advice on how that works. Um, but we also do like entrepreneurship education in general. So especially for new members who are usually primarily freshmen, they get to um, kind of go through something called the startup school, which is a curriculum that our education lead casts out each year. Um, and we also have like other interesting activities that we do. It's purely based on what the members want um, and whether that is like what they want to participate in or what they want to lead and create. Uh, last year, we started... Uh, a career fair for startups. And we were able to pair almost like over 100 students, I think, to different startups. And they had dinners with the startups to learn about different career opportunities. Um, but yeah, I would say that we don't necessarily have a set number of events. It changes depending on what members want. That's fantastic. Uh, and th this is the kind of uh, activity that we want to help here too. So Really, the reason that I came came back also as an entrepreneur in residence at the Trust Center is because uh, having gone through school, like I, I know all the enthusiasm, all the the possibilities to you know, try a new event or, or make make some new project. Um, I feel like the Trust Center really wants to amplify that kind of effort too. So uh, I'm always excited when I hear about something like that. Like a hundred people came to this event, this um, matching event, and. Uh, you're bringing the community together. Like I feel like there's so much more we can do working together on these types of projects as well. Um, can you tell me a bit about your work through the Student Board of Advisors and uh, what is that board all about and uh, what's your role on that organization? So I would say like for me primarily, I serve as the point of communication within the board. So um, whether that's like organizing meetings or uh, facilitating communication between SBA board members and Martin Trust Center staff, that's up to me. But as a board collectively, um, we do a lot. The general goal is to be entrepreneurship amplifiers on campus and to really like diversify and broaden the ecosystem so that it's beneficial to MIT students as a whole. And uh, diving deeper into that, there's like a lot of like different things that we do. So one um, is that as entrepreneurship amplifiers and ambassadors, we kind of serve as a point of contact for other MIT students to go to. So if they have concerns about um, their entrepreneurship journeys or want to learn more, we're individuals who they could reach out to to talk about it. And I actually like scheduled a couple of meetings with freshmen this semester who were interested. And that was like really meaningful to hear their perspective as well. Um, we also um, are members of different types of entrepreneurship and business like organizations on campus. Um, so we kind of share our inputs based off of the experiences that we have with these different resources and groups. And uh, collectively, we think about solutions uh, as a whole for the entire entrepreneurship ecosystem. 
And we're constantly providing feedback for Martin Trust Center events. Uh, there's always new initiatives that we're taking, like the entrepreneurship certificate that we recently created, and uh, really just helping the Martin Trust Center share their resources with students and kind of going through this iterative process of constantly improving events and getting students to come to the Trust Center. Yeah, that feedback is so important. I think uh, we're trying to serve the students as well and to have your voice directly integrated with our plans and the future events and the programs that we're improving upon is vital. Um, and it also feels really much like the, the MIT sort of men's and man, menace kind of hand in mind approach because you're living life as a student, you're living life as an entrepreneur, and as you're getting involved in the entrepreneurship club, you're running events, and you're, so you're, you're practicing that, but you're also thinking about how can we improve and thinking about the system and feeding back into that the same way that I came here as, a, as an EIR, but I'm also working as an entrepreneur as well and trying to bring things from the field to improve the process as we all go forward together. Uh, so that's really essential, and, and uh, it's so exciting to be able to work with uh, people like, like you who are um, just so dedicated to, to making the experience awesome. I think um, there's so much that's going to come out of that for future generations of students. So uh, It's fantastic. I think, oh, I think we could talk a bit more about the... Um, the Student Board of Advisors, uh, just to, can, I know that the Student Board of Advisors has many different student groups that are on the board, all of whom are advising the Trust Center on how to better serve the students. <clears throat> can you tell us more about what those groups are? There's quite a few organizations on the board. Uh, there's SBC, which is the Sloan Business Club, uh, particularly the entrepreneurship branch of Sloan Business Club is more involved um, with uh, the SBA board. Uh, there's Entrepong, which is a club that specializes in playing table tennis, but through these informal connections built uh, when playing table tennis, uh, people are able to talk about their passions and what excites them. Uh, there's the MIT Entrepreneurship Club, which is the group that I'm a part of, which serves more as a community of founders with, again, um, not so centralized events, just random things that students are interested in. Uh, there's Start Labs, which is another entrepreneurship organization, and it specializes more in speaker events for entrepreneurship and uh, pitches, ideation pitches specifically for students to exchange ideas. And there's a new organization called Prod, uh, which is more focused on like actually building a venture. So there's funding involved with that and uh, mentorship from experienced members within the organization to really build a venture. Uh, but I would say like all of these clubs, even though like the main goal is entrepreneurship and helping students uh, explore their entrepreneurship passions, uh, it's like slightly different in the sense of like what you do within the club. Uh, because again, like the entrepreneurship journey is like pretty vast, I would say. Uh, there's individuals who are more interested in learning about entrepreneurship and exploring it right now. And at the other end of the spectrum, it's also like students um, who are interested in actually like building something out. And I think like the clubs and organizations like help to like map out within like the spectrum as a whole so that students are able to join an organization that is best suited for their interests. Tell me, how would a student get involved in the Student Board of Advisors or um, any of these other entrepreneurship clubs? What, what's the best place for them to look to get started if they're curious about entrepreneurship? 
So if they are interested in joining a club and organization, it really depends on the organization. I think that um, some clubs like SBC, Start Labs, and MEC, they hold recruitment events uh, in the beginning of every school uh, semester. And uh, you kind of have to like go do like the networking process and also like the resume drop process to be able to like select it as a member. Um, but there's also like the other end of the spectrum where like you could just join whenever, like uh, for entrepong. Um, but also like I think that even though there are there are these rules set in stone, they are pretty flexible. Um, I know like some friends of mine, uh, they were really interested in Start Labs, and they just kept showing up to Start Labs events, and eventually they were a member of the organization. So I think it's like really like how much time you're willing to put in to these organizations, uh, whether or not you're like actually interested in what they are doing. And um, eventually you'll kind of like get incorporated within like the organization as a whole. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think if you're a student and you're interested in entrepreneurship, just show up to events, just come out there and uh, meet the people, talk to them, uh, describe your interests and see where the intersections are. And we're always happy to hear from students who want to learn about entrepreneurship or uh, explore different activities, different events that we're, we're throwing. So I think uh, in that regard, definitely the door is wide open. Um, students can come here anytime and set, set up office hours with me. You can book meetings with me or any other EIR actually through Orbit, uh, the website we have uh, for entrepreneurship at MIT. And um, besides that, definitely, I think each of the, the members of the SBA as well, all the students who are on the board, I'm sure, are all open to conversations about their experiences and would love to hear from other students who are curious to start their journey. Well, that's it for another episode of Trust the Process. This has been a production of the Martin Trust Center for MIT Entrepreneurship, located in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The show is produced and edited by me, Chris Burns, with special help from Greg Weimer. All of our music is composed by Will Leet. Come again soon.